Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Tara Thompson is a VP of Clinical Services with Innovation Compounding Pharmacy in Kennesaw, Georgia. Tara obtained her doctorate from the University of Houston College of Pharmacy in 2012 after receiving her biomedical science degree from Texas A&M. She joined Innovation in 2012 to advance her clinical mindset by focusing on women's health and pursue her love for compounding. Tara collaborates with providers and patients across the U.S. who are interested or presently using compounded medications to treat women's health. Her areas of expertise and extensive research include female sexual dysfunction, pelvic health, and hormone replacement therapy. She currently is the VP of Clinical Services at Innovation Compounding. Tara, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks, Tara, for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or maybe share a little bit about your personal life? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, like you said, I graduated in 2012 and, um, me and my husband moved to Georgia at that time. I went to pharmacy school in, in Texas. So we moved to Georgia in 2012, right after I graduated. So I didn't really have a job or anything and, um, met a pharmacist here who was in compounding and happened to also be from Texas. And so this was really my first job. I went straight from pharmacy school into compounding pharmacy, which was um, not a new field for me. Um, I actually trained at a big um, compounding um, centers of America in Houston. So I was very familiar with compounding, but um, being my first job, I was kind of trained up to learn all the different aspects of compounding pharmacy and everything that can be done both in sterile and non-sterile compounding. Um, and I've been here ever since. So love it. Um, every day is a, is a new challenge and a, a way to be creative and use your um, pharmacy chemistry. And so I love it. Yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. And, and I'm excited for what the future holds too. Well, Tara, tell us a little bit more about compounding pharmacy. Um, a lot of, of people may, you know, you hear about compounding pharmacy, but there are some nuances with it, you know, sterile versus non-sterile. Um, could you just give a, a pretty high overview about some of the differences and, and, and then maybe what, um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specifics that you guys do at Innovation Compounding. Okay, sure. So compounding is actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. It's, it's sort of the oldest form of pharmacy, because if you think about in the past when people used to have pharmacists or apothecaries in their, in their towns, um, the pharmacist would actually mix, the pharmacist would actually mix up something for a patient 
um, to take if they were sick or if they had a cough or something was going around. So really, if you think about compounding, um, of course, we don't use, you know, old timey mortars and pestles and all that kind of thing anymore. But really, compounding is the oldest form of pharmacy in the fact that we are taking bulk active ingredients. So the actual, you know, bulk chemical, bulk drug um, in its purest form and compounding that pursuant to a, a specific prescription in strengths and dosages and and um, specific ways that the physician ordered it. So it's really interesting if you think about how it's come full circle, but compounding is both... Um, has sort of two aspects to it. Um, Non-sterile compounding is going to be anything that is made um, for topical use, vaginal and rectal preparations, um, anything that goes into the ear or into the nose, um, anything that's taken orally by mouth, whether it be a solution, suspension, capsule, um, sublingual dosage forms are also non-sterile. And we actually follow USP 795 guidelines for sterile compounding. Um, Another aspect of compounding pharmacy is the sterile compounding side. And so any any drug made um, in a sterile compounding setting is going to be used for, say, intramuscular, subcutaneous, injectable form, um, intravenous dosing, anything that's dropped into the eye. Um, anything that's put into the bladder as an installation or into any sort of injectable type form that has to be completely sterile. So in sterile compounding, you follow USP 797 guidelines. Um, And those are some things that we learn in pharmacy school, um, the particular guidelines and how they pertain to the different aspects of compounding pharmacy. But really, until you get out into the field and are hands-on, it's a very... um, hands-on based profession to where we're actually in the lab making things on a daily basis. So whether it be non-sterile or sterile compounding, um, you can, you know, go down whichever niche or both that, um, you know, wherever your physician need is, but some pharmacies choose to just do sterile. Some choose to just do non-sterile. Some do both. Uh, it's really just what your, what your business model looks like. Um, but yeah, compounding is very, very interesting. And now, with some new regulations coming out on the way that hazardous drugs are being handled um, and how the regulations surrounding that, um, we're starting to, you know, get more um, tighter regulations on some compounding. So it's, it's a very interesting time in compounding. It's very fun and um, very dynamic for sure. Yeah. that Well, Tara, that's a good point because um, I would say that that there are a lot of laws about compounding pharmacy. I remember even whenever I was um, working at a mail order specialty pharmacy, I had to get licensed in multiple states to um, to be able to to mail medications into those states from Nashville, Tennessee. And um, one of the most I guess like scrutinous parts was, are you a compounding pharmacy? So there are a lot of regulations, as you mentioned. Um, and the new, um, some, one of the new kind of, I guess, guidelines is actually the USP 800. Um, could you give a little update on on when um, that's going to be fully implemented and, and what y'all are doing to prepare for that? Yes, absolutely. So USP 800 um, is kind of a new guideline that's coming out for the for the handling of hazardous drugs. So it's how they're prepared. It's how the 
specific um, employees are garbed in those particular rooms when handling those meds. It's how they're shipped. It's how they're brought in from suppliers. There's um, a lot of regulations that are going into effect in December of this year, 2019. And a lot of pharmacies are um, sort of in redesign mode. Um, You have to have specific ways that your pharmacy is laid out. Um, You have to have dedicated equipment just to use on those particular drugs versus your non-hazardous drugs. Um, You have to have particular rooms that are um, negative pressure, for instance. So the air has to in the room has to be more negative than the room that is adjacent to it or that comes before it. Um, your equipment has to be vented to the outside or to the um, in a in a where it's pulling the air from the room. So it's a very interesting um, set of regulations that a lot of that most pharmacies, if they're not going to um, if they're redesigning their rooms at this point or hospitals even who are compounding hazardous drugs have to abide by these guidelines. So right now is a really interesting transition phase um, from what your old pharmacy looked like and then trying to get compliant with 800, which will drop in December. So um, yeah, it's a very interesting time. We're all learning um, everything. There's a lot of really good like webinars and conferences out there that are helping people get compliant and um, helping us get um, everything in line for 800. So we're ready when it when it starts and we're um, properly making sure these medications are getting compounded and, and out to the patients. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Awesome. And so Tara, you mentioned that compounding uh, was something that interested you in pharmacy school. Um, Could you tell a little bit more about that or or maybe um, what some pharmacists who are looking to get into compounding might want to do to to break into that uh, niche of pharmacy? Yes, absolutely. So we actually take students here at our pharmacy, um, and we learn a lot from them because they give us a glimpse into what's going on currently in the pharmacy schools. And I ask them a lot if they have taken compounding classes or if they have to kind of seek it out themselves. And a lot of them say if they're interested in compounding that they really need to seek it out themselves. I think the pharmacy schools touch a little bit on compounding. I know that there's a lot of calculations involved that um, some of the pharmacy schools use as a tool to get, um, you know, some of the math and and the calculations in via aliquots or allegations, trichurits, and that, that kind of thing. Um, but really, if you are interested in compounding and you're in pharmacy school, there are organizations that you can join, and there's also um, particular boot camps and things that compounding courses that you can take um, in your pharmacy school should know about how to get involved in those types of things. But there's, there are a lot of good resources out there. Um, several of the large compounding centers 
um, in the United States have courses that you can take, whether it be, you know, compounding for animals or compounding for humans, um, pediatric compounding courses, um, dermatology compounding courses. There's a lot of neat things out there that students can learn from. Um, and then also if you, um, the best thing to do if you're still in pharmacy school, if you're about to start rotations or you are, you're in your second or third year and you're looking to start, um, seeing what your interests are in rotations, you can ask to be placed in compounding rotations and your school will actually place you, uh, your APPEs at, um, compounding pharmacies that you can learn from. And, and that is a really good way just to be in there, to be hands-on, um, to be learning it firsthand from people who do it every single day. Um, those are the main ways, really. I know at, at my um, pharmacy school at Houston, we were right by um, one of the largest compounding centers in America. So we actually trained there and had all the resources easily available to us. So that's kind of where I found my love. But I know there's pharmacy schools all over the U.S. There's um, one in South Carolina. They have a great compounding facility there. They teach a lot of sterile and non-sterile compounding um, there. And then in Texas and in Georgia, they have great compounding labs and courses that you can take through their pharmacy schools, too. So um, I'm sure your pharmacy, your college of pharmacy has great resources for you if you, um, if you were to ask. And then also there's um, ACA and IACP are great compounding organizations um, available nationwide that you can join and um, network with compounders who are who are pharmacists who are currently compounding and have businesses of compounding um, and who can answer your questions. Awesome, thanks, Tara. Um, yes, and I am familiar with the one in Houston. I believe it's called PICOA, but that's great to hear that there's other resources as well. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about women's health. That's such a big topic and um, a lot of different ways that um, pharmacists can go into um, helping different uh, aspects of women's health. Um I know some of the things mentioned were female sexual dysfunction, pelvic health hormones, and and pellet hormone therapy. Do you mostly see older women, some younger women? Um, tell us a little bit more about kind of um, your patient population and, and some of the most common conditions that you're helping with. Okay, sure. Yeah, we, we actually see a wide range of women. And I think the reason that we have a lot of, um, I think women's health is such a big topic and a popular um, part of compounding pharmacy, both hormone replacement therapy, female sexual dysfunction, pelvic health preparations, is the fact that there's not a lot available out there commercially. So at a regular retail pharmacy, there are some options for women's health, for hormone replacement. There are some options for vaginal preparations. Um, a couple things out there for female sexual dysfunction or hypoactive sexual desire disorder. But for the most part, a lot of the compounds that we make here are things that physicians and us pharmacists have designed for women who are having, say, vaginal pain upon intercourse, or um, if they're having some sort of hormone-related um, vestibulodynia or vulvodynia, which is pain at the vaginal opening and the vestibule area. Um, a lot of those medications that we make here aren't available commercially. So patients don't really 
um, know that they have those types of options unless their physicians are actually sending them to a compounding pharmacy to get those preparations made for them. So I think that's one of the reasons that um, compounding pharmacy, especially for us, women's health is so huge is because we have so many different options for women that, that, is, that are helping their conditions. Um, one of the biggest conditions that we see currently is hypertonic pelvic floor disorder, or it's also called vaginismus. It's when the muscle um, that runs on the pelvic floor, so from your coccyx bone on your very lower spine to your pubic bone in the front, um, in both males and females, um, that muscle becomes very tense. Um, it often pushes on nerves when it's very tense. It often cut, cuts off some blood supply when it's tense, causing um, more pain and more nerve issues. And we do a lot of compounds for that particular disorder in the form of rectal and vaginal suppositories. Um, those particular suppositories contain ingredients like muscle relaxers or some um, neuropathic drugs that kind of dull the nerve pain there or just superficial pain. Um, so some topical analgesics and that type of thing that we can include in the suppositories. But that's a really popular one we see because there's really not anything available commercially for that particular disorder. Um, so hypertonic pelvic floor is a big one that we see here in terms of certain female sexual dysfunctions. Um, a lot of women have um, pain upon intercourse, and a lot of it is due to just that muscle being super tense. Also, um, that muscle after surgeries or after um, sort like pelvic surgeries and that type of thing, that muscle can become kind of inflamed. And in order for a patient to properly do pelvic floor therapy, they need to relax that muscle. And a lot of the drugs help in, in that aspect. So yeah, that's one of the more popular ones we see here in terms of women's health. We do a lot of, um, and that's around any ages. So I mean, that ranges for from teenage years to elderly women who have used those particular drugs. Now, hormone replacement therapy is going to be more of an older patient population who are going through menopause, but also women who have had hysterectomies and oophorectomies, um, which we call surgical menopause. So in those cases, we are able to replace some of those hormones that the women's body doesn't necessarily make in abundance anymore, or maybe they just need to be balanced to make them feel better to get rid of some of the vasomotor symptoms or vaginal symptoms they may be um, experiencing. But so that is a little bit, usually an older population. Um, but really women's health ranges, you know, at all ages, because you also have patients who are having um, pelvic pain, just very young patients who are having pelvic pain, not necessarily hormone related, could be um, vaginal issues or um, neuropathic issues. But, but yeah, really all age ranges. Um, we see a lot of um, different preparations coming through. We have a lot of uh, clinicians asking us if we can make certain things. And, and that's the fun about compounding is that you can look into those and make sure that it's clinically appropriate if there's any research out there to support it. And then what dosings and strengths are, are appropriate for the patient as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is super helpful and very interesting. I'm sure that um, you get to help 
women that wouldn't otherwise have another resource or um, option. So it's got to be really meaningful and um, always learning and, and uh, getting able to being able to create and um, do some really fun things. So Tara, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? I mean, I always tell my students, if I could do it all over again, I would be more involved in pharmacy school. Um, and I would be more involved after on a national level because you, you really meet so many people. And a lot of the answers that we, a lot of the questions that we have in compounding have already been researched and figured out by someone. You just have to network and find those people and ask them the right questions because more than likely they'll know the answer. And I tell my students all the time that if you get involved and you start to meet people, even though you may not, you know, necessarily have any need for them or any concerns for them at that particular moment in your life, you never know when somewhere down the line, you're going to have a question or you're going to have um, an issue or something that you know that person that you met would know the answer to because either they're, they have a niche in say veterinary compounding and you have a question about a vet drug that just came through um, or, you know, you know, they specialize in um, negative airflow space in a sterile clean room and you're about to build a sterile clean room and you know exactly who to go to now, just your, your connections really help you in compounding because although it's a large nationwide niche, it is actually a really small world. And a lot of people know the answers to what you're already looking for. So that's what I would tell myself um, if I could go back is to get involved at a more early age, especially in pharmacy school and just um, getting, just immersing myself into more information about compounding. Um, make sure you're good at your calculations. If you um, are, if you like math, if you like chemistry, um, pay more attention in um, in med chem, in organic chemistry, those are the classes that we use a lot here. Um, actually, the chemical structure is super helpful in knowing the properties of that drug. So if it's light sensitive, if it has alcohol groups, um, if it has double bonds that can be broken, we actually use all of that information in compounding. And when you're in pharmacy school, you don't realize it. And you're like, why am I taking this class? I'm never going to use this information anymore. But to my younger self, I would say you should have paid a little bit more attention because now I'm relearning and seeing those chemical structures and those drugs again. And I wish I would have listened a little bit more back when it was um, when it didn't seem so important. So um, if you're in pharmacy school, those classes are important if you're interested in compounding, definitely. Awesome. Well, Tara, those are some really great takeaways for our listeners to remember the importance of networking um, because there are uh, things to share, best practices, and um, it's just great to build those relationships and really do that through getting involved. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm happy to, you know, answer any questions. Um, if anybody needs anything, feel free to reach out or Hillary, if you need anything in the future, we're here for you.
Awesome. Thank you. And again, um, Tara is at Innovation Compounding. And what's that website again, so that people could get in touch with you, Tara, now that you mentioned it? Sure. um, Our website is innovationcompounding.com. So just like our name, innovationcompounding.com. And if um, you have any specific questions, feel free to email us. Um, our, Our email here at the pharmacy is lab, which is L-A-B, at innovationcompounding.com. And we're happy to answer any questions you might have or um, if you're a clinician or even a patient who has specific questions about compounding or just interested, we're definitely here to help you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tara. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.